yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't have any bread right now, but the noodles are bread, I guess. That sounds great. So yeah, oh. uh, in case people missed it, this is um, Super Deluxe Gamecast, <laughs> episode 189. We're back this week. Uh, as you can see, we're talking about food. We're talking about Funko Pops. It looks like National Treasure 2 is on. We are going to get taken down for that. Uh, oh, but, wow. But we'll just keep it up. We'll just keep it up. That's great. Uh, so yeah, we are on a freewheeling episode tonight. Uh I am the host tonight. This is Zach. I'm here. I am joined by Justin. Justin, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you, Zach? Oh, I'm freewheeling. I'm on drink number two. It's been a long week. It's been a Tell long Tell the audience day. what you've had to drink. Uh, I had a gin and tonic, and then I was like, this isn't enough. And then I poured, like, two swigs of grenadine in there. Um, mm. Not a... It, that's not a drink. Uh, no, no, uh, <laughs> not it's not good. Um, and then I went out to our gas fire pit to start that up. It wouldn't start, so I just in- inhaled a bunch of gas fumes. And then I came inside to host the podcast. So we're really riding. Um, I've moved on to a bourbon, so things seem like they're going to smooth out. We're also joined by uh, Jeff and also National Treasure. Jeff, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm great. I saw John posting pictures from I think the National Mall, and I saw Justin. Uh, ask if he was going to steal the Declaration of Independence. So I just thought I'd queue up some National Treasure, does, one of does, the, the great cinematic masterpieces of the modern era. Does this count as fair use? Does this count? Are we good? I don't know, so but I don't want to run afoul of... I don't want to run run afoul of Disney. <laughs> like, if we get into a copyright war with Disney, like, we, we won't win that one, guys. Our ninjas will not detect the movie at this low of a resolution. That's true. I don't think they can hear it either. It's silent. Oh, no now we've got, we've got the, the R2-D2 on here, so Disney's going to be mad about that. That's true. No, that's true, yeah. Fuck, I got to find some non-Disney content in this house. Well, well Jeff, well, Jeff searches. Good luck. Out of uh, Kylo Ren. It's, the, the, the gist of it is it's like Disney Enough. owns everything. All right, well, Jeff searches for non-Disney IP. Uh, we're also joined by Reb. Reb, how are you? I'm full of meatballs and very happy. <laughs> I mean, is there any other way when you're full of meatballs? Yeah, no. I mean, that, that's all I got. It's It's been a long couple of weeks. Um, lots of things happening, but we're almost to a long weekend, so who can complain? Hell yeah. And then, of course, we're always joined by our favorite, favorite Yamcha stan, Nola, Nerdcast. Finn, how are you? Hello. <laughs> I, I just was, you know, wow. appreciating the greatness of old Lord Yamcha over here. You know, That was top well. ten reveals, Finn. Oh, thank you. Way to those it. amazing oh, showmanship. Really it's, it's what I do. It's what I do. Um, yeah, you know, do well. Been a while since I've been on, so yay. Well, I'm happy you're here. I feel like I haven't been on a show with you in what feels like at least six weeks. Are we? Wait, is this is this a pre-quarantine? Are we meeting up for the first time since quarantine? I think it might be. Wow, romantic. So it's actually been five years. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, so listen, remember this morning, it was, you know, 10,000 years ago. Oh my God, (laughs) seriously. Uh, so we actually have some topics tonight, but first I kind of want to do a little round table of what we've all been playing. Finn, I know you've been a busy dude lately, uh, but is there anything that you've been really sinking some time into? Well, I recently 100%ed Pycross S4, the greatest of all modern day Pycross games. And now I am on chapter 16 of 18 of my hard mode Final Fantasy VII Remake playthrough. I've gotten every other trophy. I just have to beat the game, and then I'll have my platinum like a cool kid. Dope. Are you you a person who chases platinum, Spin? I am. 
Okay. I love me that platinum rush. That's interesting. I don't go like I don't like punish myself for it. Okay. If a game has unrealistic expectations, uh, I won't do it. But Final, Final Fantasy VII, it's basically a very reasonable uh, amount of work, and it was all stuff I was going to do anyway because I loved 100% my RPGs. So, is this your second time through the game? Yes, you can't do hard mode the first time. You have to play it as a new game plus. Does it hold the second time through even with the harder difficulty? It does. Uh, the, dif- the higher ha- difficulty actually completely reinvigorates what was already my favorite battle system because it forces you to be more tactical. And uh, think about it because you you can't replenish magic throughout your run, so you have to, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Strategize and mitigate your usage of magic and be cool and awesome at all times. And also, turns out when you skip all the cutscenes, RPGs are really short. So the second playthrough <laughs> is really br- uh, brief. Sick. Times. Well, it's good to hear. Uh, now, uh, Jeff, I also know that you've had a busy few weeks. Have you been sinking any more time into any games? Um, yeah, it's been. Uh, I've had some personal stuff going on lately. Um, so I've been looking for low commitment, um, light, fluffy. Um, you know, kind of uh, airy games, I'll, I'll call it for lack of a better word. So, and I've been on kind of a retro kick because I find when I'm not doing well, uh, nostalgia is my my comfort food. Um, so I've been playing a bit of N64. I uh, beat Diddy Kong Racing in like yeah. four hours. Yeah, uh, that's a fucking hard game. I, I don't know, I don't know how any kids ever beat that. That's probably why I never finished it when I was younger. Um, and I was I was saying to someone I think on the Discord, uh, there's like a post game after you get the credits where you beat Wizpig, and I because I just was not I didn't have the skill to beat the game as a kid. I would always hear my friends tell me that after you beat the game, the lighthouse turns into a rocket and you go off into space and there's all these space courses. But it just always sounded like nonsense, and because like YouTube didn't exist, like you couldn't look up videos online back then really. So like I don't know games where they had, a lot of games had like these legends and myths around them and like. I never really believed it and I couldn't prove it unless I went to my friend's place and actually watched them do it or saw it in a magazine. Um, so it was cool to like actually finally after like 30 years um, see that. And then, uh, so I'm just looking because I've got a stack of everything I've been playing and my brain is kind of fried. Uh, Pilot Wings 64, amazing game. Pilot Wings is a great franchise that is super chill. The music is so relaxing. Um, I really hope they make a new entry of that because, yeah, that's that's an underrated franchise. And I would love to get some of that on Switch. Uh, and then I spent four hours uh, trying to get Morrowind to run properly. And I did it. <laughs> PC I had game to, in a nutshell. I, I had to download uh, the graphics extender <laughs> mod to add widescreen resolution support so I could run it at higher than like 680p. Um, and then I did that, and then the mouse was all fucked up. It also doesn't have controller support because the game's 100 years old. So I had to download a, um, a program to convert my keyboard and mouse input to my uh, Xbox controller. Um, and that didn't work properly, so I had to download another program, and that one worked. But then I found <laughs> out that my stick has a small dead zone on it. Um, so I had to calibrate the dead zone. But to calibrate the dead zone, you need the premium version of the program. So I spent 15 US dollars to convert my keyboard and mouse to my controller so that my little tiny right stick won't constantly pan the camera so I can play uh, a game that's 20 years old on the original Xbox. Um, hey, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Does it feel good to be a PC gamer? You know, 
No, it doesn't. <laughs> because my Xbox One X all in one entertainment system and booted up my copy of Morrowind that I already own digitally and had that X enhanced. But I will say, um, I am playing Morrowind at 4K, 100 FPS, um, with no draw distance limitation because the base game has a very close fog that obscures the whole world. Um, the mod adds depth of field, new shaders, new lighting, new water. So you know, we'll we'll call it a we'll call it even. But I would have much rather just popped it onto my Xbox and and played it that way. Well, it sounds like you know. It sounds like you are finding some some good comfort games right now, and, and I can appreciate that. Even if Jeff, it sounds like you're spending eighty percent of that time programming. <laughs> Jeff, I yeah. I have to ask, how has your N sixty four controller um, handling skills evolved over the years? Are they you know are they the same as they were when you were growing you know what, up, Jeff, or I'm are they you. are they different now? I got right here. Um, <laughs> so as many people know, I suffer from poor dexterity on my left side and when i was younger i did not have the ability to control the analog stick with my left thumb the way god intended so i had to hold it with my right one which means to control these buttons i had to reach so just again i had to reach over and play like this i'm happy to announce i can now use the controller like a normal human being um i somehow through playing four iterations of DualShock, uh, have improved the dexterity in this thumb to the point where I can uh, effectively navigate um, the games on the system. However, I, I came to the realization that my problem with this stick is that my thumb is vertical, which means I kind of pull it this way, left and right, whereas I'm used to playing a DualShock where my thumb sits almost horizontally and the motion's entirely different. So this is... Uh, where all my problems came with is, a, is that it's a shit controller, and <laughs> why does it have a left bumper if you hold it like this? Like, there's no situation where you'd be using it. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, it's it's not important. Finn has a question. Yes, Finn. Happy to answer I just, your I was just questions. wondering if this was going to be the best time to once again bring up that illustration of you in an N64 controller. I feel like we need to. No, so uh, hold on, hold on. Before we do that, Jeff, I want to apologize. I was not here for the podcast when that joke happened. So when that was related to me, I did not get the part of that where you did that because you had poor dexterity in your thumb. I thought, I made fun of you because I thought you looked at that N64 controller, like, regarded it for way. a moment, and then thought, <laughs> yes, this is the correct way to hold it. Like, okay. that's what I thought we were laughing at here. Uh, so I apologize for canon... making fun of you for a necessary step you took. To... No, no, in my head canon, that's actually why he held it that way. <laughs> That's what I thought, man. I'm happy to leave it open to interpretation. I am not a Jeff, I don't it, think you mentioned it was actually an issue with dexterity <laughs> before. Yeah, I don't think you've ever said that before. I don't Because yeah, I definitely thought it was just... Because I, I, I've seen people ha try some very ridiculous ways of holding the N64 <laughs> controller. I wouldn't have made as many jokes if I knew it was <laughs> because you had to. I think I mentioned it briefly in the video I posted to Twitter, but that's nuke because I deleted all my tweets. But um, uh, no, it just like, it, yeah, it was just like I would just play games and I knew how you're supposed to hold it, but I didn't like, if I'm playing Ocarina of Time, I would just, I would try to turn a little bit and I would just do a 90 degree turn and go off a cliff. <laughs> And like I, I couldn't do that fine-tuned movement that you need in some of the platformers, or like Mario 64, for example. It was just like it was like I would either go left or up. I couldn't get that nuance in there with, with my left thumb for some reason. So, but it's all good. 
Well, I'm glad you're I'm glad you're finding some comfort in those old N64 games. Uh, Justin, what about you? Have you been playing anything? I think I've seen from the Twitter feed you have been revisiting the Uncharted series. Is that is that all you've been doing? Yes. Uh, yeah. So I guess it's time for my weekly update on that replay. Um, I think as of last week, I was about halfway through Uncharted three. Um, I finished that up and I really enjoyed it. I think this time some of the issues with some of the um, combat difficulty balancing showed through a bit more uh, than when I had played it before, but I still really, really like um, 3. Uh, it's a... I know it's one of the... probably the most divisive of all of the games, um, but I still really, really enjoy it. I um, I love the like Arabian Nights, Lawrence of Arabia vibe. Um, I'm a big fan of the, um, like, I love the Desert Drake outfit. I think, like, it's, like, the most iconic look that that character has had. It's hot. Um, yeah, I was, I was a big fan. Uh, so I finished Uncharted 3, um, then I went to Uncharted 4, and Uncharted 4, like, I actually haven't played it as much as the other ones. I really liked it when it first came out, but, you know, I've started replays a few times, and because it is fairly slower paced for, like, the first half of the game, uh, I had never made it all that far into it on, you know, a replay. So this was, like, the first time I really, like, sat down and was more methodical going through it because I wasn't rushing through. Because one thing that happens to me, especially when it's a game I'm really looking forward to, um, I want to get done so I can see what's coming. Because, uh, you know, so I with this series, I'm very into the story, very into the characters, and, you know, it was supposed... It was, you know, the big send-off for Nathan Drake... Um, and everything. So, uh, this time I, you know, wasn't rushing at all. I just really took my time and I adored like the more methodical pacing of it. It was really, really fun to just keep, um, to just let things, uh, let things go at their own pace. And like the writing and little character moments in that game really, really stuck out to me. Like there's so many um great moments like when they're when you're in like nate's attic in his house um in his house and he's going through like his old um you know artifacts from his old adventures and um you know he finds like the little little toy gun and shoots ping pong balls and stuff around his room and like the music comes up um and i love the way elena is written in this game like so often like when you have like you know, worried wife of a main character, no matter how well written they are or how well perform, um, how good their performance is, you know, they tend to kind of feel antagonistic to the viewer or the player because they're trying to keep the character that we're here to see Nathan Drake go on adventures. We are, of course, not going to like the character that's trying to stop him from going on adventures, no matter how justified they are. Um, and so I really love how, like... You know, when he's deciding whether or not to go um, on, you know, a trip that, you know, with his business that would have been kind of illicit, she's pushing him to do it. Um, so, like, sh and she comes off as somebody that is kind of also having these urges to go on an adventure again, and she's kind of slowly pushing him towards it. And the fact that he lies to her and goes off, like, you really feel disappointed in Nate. You don't feel, like, that kind of resentment towards Elena. And, like, the way they talk through it when... Um, they're together is is so good. Like I I really love how they um, they handled the two of their relationship um, throughout this game. Uh, 
I love. I, I love. Also I love Justin. both of their houses. Yeah. Sorry. Before you, Sorry, before go, you ahead. go on to another thing, I just wanted to say I agree. I feel like you and I don't usually agree on these things, but I I really agree with you on this. Like I I didn't play Uncharted Four, but I watched almost the entire thing. I watched someone play it, um, and I I really love that because I think there's I think just what you said. There's a tendency to sort of portray. Um, especially women partners of, you know, male adventures in, in games is this, as this person who in, in reality is like very reasonable, right? Like, no, you can't just go off and abandon your family and go on this very dangerous adventure and get everybody in trouble and get yourself killed. Like, no, absolutely not. That's like a very reasonable position for a human being to take. But in, in, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of different narratives, whether it's film or, you know, TV or games, there's sort of a tendency to portray that sort of thing in a negative light to be like oh look at this you know nagging woman or whatever stopping him from being a hero and i i absolutely thought that they did a really good job of making elena like making her extremely like sympathetic and also interesting and then also in the end both supportive but not not wussy like she didn't just show up and be like oh you were right on along you should have gone on adventures it was like no i'm gonna show up and support you because you're my, you're my man, you're my dude, you're my, are they married? Are they married at that point? Or are they yes, engaged? they are married. Okay, yeah, my husband, sorry, I was, I was floundering for a term and just ran, only used stupid ones there. Um, because you're my husband, like, I'm going to support you, but also you fucked up. Right. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I but like, also, the parts of the games where you just, like, go through their homes, because both of their houses are incredible. Like, there's one at the beginning of the game that you walk through, and then one in the epilogue. The one in the epilogue, I think, is the nicest house anybody has ever had. <laughs> like, this house on the beach and everything. But, like, so many times when you go through, like, a house in a game, like, they seem sterile. Or, like, even in movies, like, they just have the basic necessities that you would need. And, like, in in this game, like, every room feels lived in. And you can see just from looking at it, oh, this is Nate's office, this is Elena's office, like, their personality shows through, like, the things that they have in their home uh, stand out, which is really great and something I really loved. I I always kind of struggled choosing what my favorite game in the series was, but I think it's definitively four now. Um, I really, really enjoyed it this time, and I found a new appreciation for it that I didn't quite have before. Sure. So that was great. And I am almost done with Lost Legacy now. Um, and I really want to encourage people to play Lost Legacy because a lot of people I don't think realize how good Lost Legacy is. Lost and the fact, Legacy like, is it... incredible. Yep. Yes. Um, so, like, Lost Legacy was initially supposed to be a DLC that became a full-sized game and was sold for $40. So I think people were thinking it was a much smaller game than it actually is. It's like as long as Uncharted 2 and 3. Longer if you like really explore in the one open area of it. Um, and it's, re- it's really cool to see an Uncharted game that, you know, is led by two women of color instead of the whitest white man who is Nathan Drake. <laughs> um, as much as I love him, he is very much, He's you know, stereotypical Hollywood, yeah, Hollywood um, leading man kind of thing. So... Um, and I love the way it, it fleshes out both Chloe and Nadine because, you know, we know Chloe a little bit, um, but Nadine was kind of just the head of the army that you're up against in Uncharted 4. Um, so, like, and they clash, and it's it's, it's really great because they both have very distinct personalities and they clash a lot early on in the game, but they get to be friends as it goes on and kind of understand each other. Um you know, Chloe is half Indian, and, like, at the beginning of the game, 
you know, she doesn't really care about, like, the actual culture, but as she goes on and, like, thinks more about it, like, it's kind of her finding her own background is, and stuff, too, um, which I think is really great. Uh, I really enjoy those t- those two characters in Lost Legacy, and they were some of the least fleshed-out characters in the series, so it was really cool to see them, you know, get the primary focus. Um, I'm not quite done with it, but I, ha- I did replay it, like, last year, and I'm through most of it. I just have a couple chapters so, left and like J- justin i just want to know the, though so you're you're kind of doing like a, you're kind of doing a tour de force of naughty dog this last generation and even even a little bit into the ps3 yes. obviously uh uh last of us part two is out next month i need to know before i throw the reb are you planning to revisit uh the last uh, the last of us part one before part two next month are you doing all of all of i actually replayed i actually replayed uncharted uh last of us a couple months ago oh okay um, so you're already so i'm probably not and I've gone through that game eight times, so probably yeah, not. You're probably right. But th- this is my <laughs> this is my Uncharted playthrough. Um, but yeah, so that'll probably be my last update on it because I'm probably finishing Lost Legacy tonight. Um, but you know, a series is really special when you go through five games of it in two weeks and could still go for more. Um, most people, most people who know me been... know I don't replay <laughs> games. Um, I've played Uncharted four front to back seven times in its entirety i played it like i think i probably played that with it last four of times in the first month i just absolutely adore that game it's far and away my favorite naughty dog game uncharted 4 um, was uh the first time i'd ever bought another console of one i already had solely to get the special edition of that console because i just needed that much uncharted in my life and I just want to flashback real quick to J- Justin's point about Uncharted 3 being uh, kind of uh, the black sheep of, of, of the fans. I think the only issue 3 had, because I love 3, is that it was too similar to 2 in tone and like mechanics, mm. whereas 2 was such a big leap over 1, yeah. and 4 yeah. was like the next-gen one. I think if you had swapped 3 and 2, then people would be saying the same about 2. It's just yeah. uh, it was too similar, and it came in only a couple years after the fact. So that that's my hot take on. I that. mean, they've also been clear they wish they had more time on three. Yeah. Um, they decided to cram it into a two-year time span, and that was kind of the first game where they're like, we need, we we should have taken more time. But um, no, like this was these were very um, these were are very much comfort food um games for me, and it was something I needed right now, and. You know, it kind of just deeply reaffirmed my love for this franchise, and so I, I've been having a wonderful time with that. Um, Sweet. So I was, pl- I, I did play something else. I want to give impressions of. Do we want to just go can around we, to other people do, and then yeah, I can do this let's late, Reb, later? Yeah. Let's do it, Reb, and we'll come back to what you've been doing. Reb, have you been mostly leaning on comfort food gaming, or are you kind of trying out some new things right now? No, I'm playing some. I'm playing a lot of new things actually, and I know I know there's a couple that you and I probably want to talk about because we both played them um but the thing that i played that i want to talk about is i started up assassin's creed odyssey um this last week i'm not very far i'm only about three hours and it's a huge game um i do not know if i will finish it like it's it's very long and i i I mean i I say this having put you know probably about 300 hours into animal crossing at this point but i really don't have a huge crap ton of gaming time i tend to spread myself out quite a bit i tend to play games that are only a couple hours long like a lot of little indie titles and stuff but um, so I've I've played uh, I've played the first 
I played the first three numbered Assassin's Creed, and then, hey, no, hey, no, get out of here, stop. Sorry, just trying to lick my spaghetti plate. Um, I played the first three numbered Assassin's Creed, and then I also played, like, the full, I guess, Ezio trilogy. Um, and I, I really, really loved everything up through Ezio. I mean, it's was, it was kind of in the very boring opinion camp, right? Like, everything up through Ezio was great, and then, like, Connor's whole, the, the whole thing that they did with, like, Abstergo and, like, the modern-day stuff in 3 just really landed very flat. It was just a weird game in a lot of ways. Um, and then I, I didn't hate Black Flag, but Black Flag was kind of like this point where the series started going started going in kind of a different direction, and I just didn't just wasn't as into it anymore. So I didn't finish Black Flag. I kind of stopped, um, and I haven't really I haven't really picked up the series since. Um, but I saw that Valhalla trailer, and I actually wasn't that intrigued by it because um, if you see me on Twitter, I'm mostly just yelling about how I want to see the Lady Viking, like whatever. But I I don't know. I just started thinking about Odyssey again because I really I really liked I I love ancient Greece. Like I spent I spent six, four, four years in college and then two years after college um, doing kind of an independent study of ancient Greek, like the language. Um, and as a result, you end up reading like, and I was also a double philosophy major in English. So I, I ended up reading a lot of Greek, like literature and stuff and doing a lot of stuff with like culture and history and stuff. Um, and I, I just really, I love it. I mean, I know it's like very, very boring to like ancient Greece, um, but there's a lot of things about the culture that like, I just, I just enjoy thinking about and I enjoy kind of kind of the, I guess the fantasy of it, which is sort of what Assassin's Creed Odyssey provides. So I've played the first three hours. I love Cassandra. She's just the absolute best, the best thing in the world. Like she's so great. She's so sassy and wonderful. I love, I love the attitude that they give her just immediately, like, like without, without question or hesitation, like she's just immediately like, what is everybody's problem? Like I, I love her so much. Um, I don't, so I was really, there were a couple things I was really worried about. I was really worried that, so I want to play it like an Assassin's Creed game. I don't want to play it like an action RPG. I don't want to get into a bunch of sword fights. Um, I'm only level six so far. Um, so I don't know if it gets worse as I go along, but so far it's okay. Like I've put all my points into assassination so far and absolutely nothing else. And I've been taking all my missions like really slow and just assassinating people one by one. And so far, it seems okay. There were a couple where I was a little worried that I wouldn't be able to do what I needed to, excuse me, needed to do. Um, but they gave me a bow and arrows, and I've looked up the tree, and there's a couple other skills I get that seem like kind of similar to sort of the distracting techniques that you get in some of the other games. So, so far, it's okay. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a problem later, because it seems like there's going to be points in the story where I'm not going to be able to rely on assassination. Like, I'm going to have to put some points into the fighting skills. And I know, I mean, fighting was still a part of the other Assassin's Creed games, so I don't expect to get through the game without any of it. But I'd like to, be, I, I like having the option of being able to sort of tackle scenarios with that choice of either going in and fighting and being very strong or going in stealthily. And I want, I want to pick the stealth route whenever possible. Um, actually, the last mission I did last night was I was supposed to pick up some treasure, um, from kind of this like sunken temple. Um, it was guarded by these two sharks and I was really pissed off because I was sitting on top of kind of like this pillar that was like sticking out of the sunken temple and I wanted to fucking assassinate the shark. Like I didn't <laughs> want to dive in the water and get into a fight fighting because like swim controls are bad and this is not an indictment of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Video game Every swim game. controls just are not good. Like it's not, no one has ever managed to do it well, I don't think. Um, I don't know, maybe someone has, but it's not Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It's not fun, fighting underwater is not fun. Um, I didn't want to do it. So I'm sitting up there and I'm like trying to like drop on a shark and it won't let me because they're underwater. It doesn't work. But I found out I could like kill them in one hit with bow and arrow. So yep, that's how I did it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it felt like it was cheesing it a little bit, but it was also OK because like I had to think through my kit and think, OK, what can I use here to help me avoid this? So I like that. But the thing that I don't like that makes it feel less like an Assassin's Creed game. I was yelling about this on Twitter last night, too. I run so fast. Why do I run so fast? 
I loved, I loved the feeling in, in the very first Assassin's Creed game, and then in all of Ezio's games, they took place. I mean, you might you moved around a little bit, but largely you were spending most of your time in the game in this big city, and you were surrounded by tall buildings, and you kind of had options on how you could move. You could move very slowly by kind of walking, because your, your default movement was walking. It was not running. You could not sprint unless you held down a button, which I normally hate in games, but in Assassin's Creed it makes se- makes sense right. because you're trying to be stealthy, and so you're walking among these crowds. You feel kind of heavy, and if you want to sprint, you start bumping into everybody. Everyone's like, "Hey, what are you doing? Hey!" and you draw attention to yourself, or you could go up on the rooftops. And you can move faster, but you might encounter guards. And so you had to kind of plan out your route and assassinate them as you went. I love that. I love that so much. Odyssey is not like that. It is an open world game. And the towns are, they exist, but they're like these little settlements. So at least so far, I don't know. I assume it changes at some point, but like right now they're small and spread out. And so I'm spending most of my time just like sprinting across the countryside. And I don't like doing that. I, I, like I want, I want the feeling of being in a town and just kind of like, like walking among, like, like walking slowly and listening to the conversations and like blending in with the crowd and and running across. Like there's no buildings to run across right now. I have no idea why Cassandra is so good at climbing things. Like there's no explanation for that. Um, it's just very strange. I I think I've played a demo of it where I know it takes place in a larger town. So I think that it gets better later. Um, but for right now, it feels a little weird. I, I try really hard to make her walk slowly when I'm in towns, but I think on keyboard and mouse, there's a toggle for it, but I'm playing on a, a controller and there's not a toggle on the controller. You just have to use the analog stick, but she moves so quickly that you have to basically like feather light, just, yeah. push it up to get her to walk. And that is actually very hard to do um, in the amount that I want. Um, and then they gave me a horse and the horse goes even faster. And I thought she ran too fast anyway. So it's just... It's just a very fast game in that regard, and I, I, I maybe I'll be grateful for it later when the world opens up. I don't know, but but right now I do miss kind of having this heaviness, like this, this heavy, like the like deliberate. big heavy foot. Yeah, like like actually feeling like a body that's moving through stuff and bumping into people. Like I really do miss that. So, um, but I love it so far, and I'm definitely gonna keep playing. I've got a long weekend coming up, so I think I'm gonna play some more. Hell yeah, Jeff, did Cassandra, you? Know? I love you. Yeah, no, I was just gonna um, just kind of answer Reb there. The I'm assuming Odyssey is similar to Origins, so you do start with like the smaller yeah. towns, and then you will mm. get to the big cities in Greece. But they do not address your problem because the streets are just are not that crowded, um, so yeah. it's still a faster-paced game. But I do. It sucks because it's not a great game. Um, but Assassin's Creed Unity, I actually finished. And that has a lot of what you're talking about. It has mm. giant crowds full of hundreds of people. And it's kind of interesting because it does take place mostly within one city. And kind of when you're getting from objective to objective, you move pretty fast and running around on rooftops and stuff. But then it kind of just uses that city as a hub. And then each of the missions might be like in a giant mansion or courtyard. And then within the confines of that mission, it slows it all down. And you have huge crowds and you kind of methodically mm. work your way through it and stuff. So that... and um syndicate like maybe down the road if, if you did want to give one of those games another chance i know maybe. a lot of people really like syndicate they like um is it evie and uh i can't remember the the two jacob, jacob yeah that sounds right yeah yeah people seem to love those characters and that has i think a little bit more of that classic stuff so that might be just something worth checking out but, but like, yeah i feel with... like 
Go ahead. So, sorry, I felt like they kind of transitioned to sort of that spacing out in Assassin's Creed 3, and that's one of the reasons I didn't like it. Mm. Honestly, going to America was a mistake. Usually it's a mistake to go to America. Usually, yeah. Um, but I think the fact that they went from these, like, densely packed, giant, like, glorious, like, structures, like these cathedrals and these temples and whatever else they had, to here's a couple crappy little settlements with a huge road in between and, like, a tree. Like, <laughs> great. Love it. Thank anyway. God for Hitman. Solid. Yeah, truly. <laughs> I, I was gonna say like I think one of the things I know it was in Unity. It might have been in previous Assassin's Creeds, but like speaking to crowd density and and like feeling really deliberate while you move through a space. I want to say one of the previous Assassin's Creed games actually had a feature where if you ran through a densely populated thing and you bounced off too many people, your character actually had like a falling animation, mm. and like you'd stumble. That and is going, awesome. Which is really good, yeah, because I mean it just totally de-incentivized like moving through a crowd in a really rapid way. Um, I think. Yeah. Uh, sorry, one one last thing is I, I think a big part, I mean, Unity ran like ass on consoles because of all the amount of people. So that might be a while ago before we talked about like the tangible benefits of next gen aside from like all the specs on paper. One of those practical results might actually be we can get an Assassin's Creed game with a crowd of 500 or 1,000 people and it not just completely murder uh, on the system. So that, that would be just interesting to see how that kind of stuff changes moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the thing sure. that I worry about there is that I assume that they would use that technology to make a big old battle instead of, you know, they a would. cool, like, like crowd scene, right? Like Valhalla, yeah. the, the setting of that does not make me immediately think I'm going to get the kind of Assassin's Creed that I miss. Hey, right? Rab, uh, um, yeah. The map will just be the entire world at that point. I, I was going to say, Reb, I hope you like that fight in the beginning of Odyssey because they're going to do a bunch of those. Oh, really? The, the Leonidas one? Yeah, they do. No, that's yeah. my least favorite part of it. Yeah, so they, they're like, going to do that. Guy. Yeah, they like to do that. I don't care about him. Yeah, it's coming back. No, yeah. no I don't like there's, that. There's other stuff in there that's like probably worth playing, but yeah, they, they do fall back on that. Mm. Um, Is there mm. is there any other recent stuff you want to shout out? Um, Nothing aside from the stuff that we're going to talk about, so I can move okay. on to that or we can let someone else have a turn. I think I'm the only one who has to go, so I will, I'm going to segue us. Yeah. Gang, everyone, people watching, I'm going to segue us. All right. You do it. Uh, yeah. The most recent game I have been playing that's new uh, is a little thing um, that Jeff Bezos, he took, he reached into his pocket one day and he found this wad of cash that he hadn't <laughs> seen, and he was like, I should do something with this, uh, and uh, enter free-to-play Did he game. use it to pay his employees? Oh, no. Please. Okay. No. <laughs> no. No. Disposable. No, he financed this by uh, by furloughing a bunch of oh, uh, Whole Foods people, so... <laughs> Using his disposable income, Jeff Bezos has brought us the free-to-play game Crucible. Uh, it launched yesterday uh, on Steam, again, a free-to-play game, uh, and I spent maybe an hour and a half with it yesterday. I streamed a little bit of it. Uh, it is a hero-based game that has uh, objectives uh, with PvP and PvE elements. Uh, to me, it actually reminded me a lot of uh, uh, the structure of like Anthem. Um, which mm. is not maybe the first impression you want someone to leave with. Uh, and, and <laughs> Reb, I know you played this separately, but we all have opinions on it. Uh, Crucible, yeah. Crucible is like, it looks expensive when you look at it. You're like, wow, this, these are really large spanning maps and it's usually teams of four and you're usually- It's one going, map. Is it only one right now? I think it's one map. I only play one map. So I just, I only it's play one, one map. Okay. So it's one map right now. Which fine. Lots of games it's, launch and it's one free map, to play. but and it is free to play. one map. Yep, and it's pretty big. It's a pretty sprawling map, and it's 4v4 teams, and then there's AI in there. Uh, and the way you move through the world is, like, you want to take out the other team and then take out the the PvE elements. And, like, one of the things I played is you fight a big hive, similar to, like, what you would do in Anthem, and then you want to capture the, the hive's heart, and that's how your team scores points. 
Um, and based on my impressions so far, it's like these really wide sprawling maps where you want to have team dynamics, uh, but the game is not built to kind of service those dynamics. Reb, I wondered if you had anything to say kind of in that realm. Yeah, so I think, I mean, so so Crystal actually has three different game modes. Um, yeah. They all take place on the same map. Uh, there's the one you're describing, Heart of the Hives, um, which I, th- I think the thing that you're getting at is there's a lot of things that could possibly happen, but there's not always a lot of incentive to go participate in those things. And I am kind of curious as to how the strategy is going to evolve. So the idea behind Heart of the Hives is, as Zach said, there's like these these kind of boss monsters that you fight them and you capture their heart. Um, there, The whole other undercurrent of this is that in all the maps, there's basically... It's a very colonialist game, shockingly, uh, where the idea is you've come to this, you know, planet that has this this resource called essence inside, and everybody wants essence because essence will make them powerful. So they've stuck these big like excavators basically in the ground, and they're just <laughs> sucking essence. It's honestly, it's like deeply colonialist. Colonialist. I cannot wait for some. This is not the kind of journal. This is not the kind of site games industry is. But I cannot wait for somebody to just tear this game apart on that angle because it's Hold just. Up. Be- what hold up one question isn't this like the second game from amazon that yeah, has yes, a very yeah. colonialist yep. like so i could theming? not tell you what new world's angle is but i very specifically remember it being criticized for the exact same thing um but yeah so you're just mining this essence basically and the the backstory of all these characters is the reason why they want to come here and get super powerful is to go back and you know achieve their own ends or whatever um it is it is like a hero shooter in that regard like you pick your character they each have their own kit um, but yeah, these giant harvesters are excavating essence and the essence as your team, so you can get it by either killing monsters that just like these kind of PVE monsters around the field and they're present in every game mode, um, or by capturing these, you know, giant things. And if you have captured one, it will slowly mine essence for your team. And once you get enough essence, you'll level up. Um, you can level up to, you can level up, I think, I don't know if there's a cap on leveling, um, at the first, you'll you start at level one, at level two, three, four, and five, you get like basically a new ability for your character. There's a little bit of a tree you can sort of pick. Um, and then after that, I think you get like a slight stat boost every time you level up. Um, but it's very, I think there, there's very much a MOBA element in there, yeah. which I think is actually kind of interesting. I think the idea of sort of like taking MOBA mechanics, like this sort of, you know, capturing things, using them to get level ups, like fo- like trying to balance between, okay, do we need to level up to make sure that we're the same level as the other team or higher than them? Or do we need to go take this objective or whatever? I do think that kind of balance is sort of, sort of makes for interesting gameplay. Um, but yeah, so there's the Heart of the Hives mode. There's basically a kind of battle royale. It's except like it's arcade, a, it's, right? It's basically duos um, where, but I, I can't remember what the, how many people are in each match. It's not like 100. It's it's like 12 or, or 15 or something. There's, there's, yeah, a, there's one that's 16 players, but it's four teams of four, I think. I think it's called Right, arcade. so there's that one. Oh, that sorry. one is the one yeah. where the objective is to... Oh. It's, it's capturing control points, I think. I think it's yeah. That one's cap- that that one's capturing points. In, that one's getting the most essence. That yeah. one's getting the the, ma- most, the oil. most essence. The most oil. Yeah, before please. the other teams. Yeah. Part of the hives is capturing the hearts of those boss monsters, and then there's another one that's basically just a battle royale where you just have to you once you die you're dead and you just you, you go. Um, so those are the three modes. Um, I don't know. I I feel like there's a lot of people that feel that seem to be very optimistic on it, and I'm kind of surprised about that. Like I'm not. I'm not a shooter person, so maybe my opinion is just bad. Um, but to me, this basically seems like someone took a mix of Overwatch, a little bit of, as you said, Zach, Apex Legends, and then stuck some MOBA mechanics on it and said, okay, we made a new game. Um, and I don't, it doesn't seem like inherently interesting, at least not inherently interesting in the way that's going to like dislodge Apex or Fortnite or even Valorant, which I know is like a different game, but it's still like a huge thing that's coming out. Um, or like like Fortnite's coming out with their new season soon. Um, Apex just came out with their new season. I feel like there's at least one other thing that's got new stuff coming soon that they're gonna have to compete with. It's just a mess. Sorry. Um, 
the, the one other thing that I wanted to suggest is when this game was originally announced back in 2016, is it was like totally different. It was like a, I think it was 12, it was about a battle royale with 12 people. Um, and, but there was a 13th person who was like a game master who could make things happen all over the map and mess with people. And it was meant to be like a very streamable game. And they've just completely done away with that concept. And I asked them about it. I interviewed them um, for games industry and they you know, basically just kind of said that they didn't think it was working, which fine. Uh, but I think that's so weird because that's such an interesting concept. Anyway, sorry, I talked for way too no, long. No, you're fine. No, it's worth hearing. I, I have a few more things I want to say about it, but Jeff and Finn, I think you both had something you wanted to say. Ask. Yeah. Mine is, uh, I just have to make a super quick point, which is that I think names are really important for games, especially ones in the competitive space that take mm -hmm. off. Uh, one reason Rocket League did so well this generation when its PS3 predecessor, which whose name I can't even, Super Acrobatic. Super Acrobatic Battle Powered Rocket Powered Rocket Cars. Or something. I've literally yeah. never heard of that before. That's it, it, it really bothers me that we have so many words in the English language and this game is called Crucible, which I just immediately associate with the multiplayer mode for one of the most popular multiplayer games out there right now, which is Destiny. Like, I yeah, don't know. Yeah. That's what, the oh, that's what they've named the competitive. All I think of when I, because all my friends say is like, oh, yeah. I'm going to play Crucible tonight. Um, okay. The marketing for this game so far, I have not like heard of this, oh, except for the press releases I've gotten. And so whenever I've mentioned that's what I wanted to anybody, that's too. what they think it is. Sorry, Finn, Finn had his hand up and then yeah, okay. Justin. Oh, I Justin, thought I saw yeah. Oh, Zach said you did. Okay. Sorry. Oh, sorry. okay. So building on the marketing point, like, this is all I really wanted to say because the the first time I heard about this game was the other day when we were deciding on our topics for the show tonight when Reb's like, I want to talk about Crucible. And I had never heard of it before. I have not heard mention of it since until Zach streamed it a little bit last night. Like, it is incomprehensible to me how bad the marketing for this is because amazon owns twitch mm -hmm. you'd think that they would hey we have a platform that a lot of people look at to get information about new games coming out particularly competitive multiplayer games like why don't they just distribute a lot of codes and have incentives for streamers to like show their game like i there's nobody talking about it at all um, Valorant announced its actual release date today, which has been made most of the news in a lot of like the esports and streaming communities and stuff. Like, it just, I and I think this is kind of also. I'm gonna bring Stadia into this a little bit. Like, I think Amazon and Someone Google should. don't quite. <laughs> I think Amazon <laughs> and Google don't quite get what it takes to, you know, yeah. do yeah. to make it in the game industry because like. They can't just Amazon and Google their way into into it. But like, like Justin, what you're talking um, about like goes down into the game's DNA. Like so, spending my time yeah. with it last night, I found myself. Well, that's... But like just just really quick, like there's so many issues yeah. here, and like I, I want to be brief about all of them. But like one of my biggest critiques that I realized after playing it for a while was that okay, so in a MOBA or 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 any game that relies on team composition. You want to see what your teammates are doing and, re and react dynamically to, to accompany that, right? Like, think about Apex Legends. One of the greatest things about Apex Legends is that it shows you what each of your teammates are, are playing as deliberately so that you can complement how they're playing or vice versa. The way that Crucible works is you pick that character on the main menu and you cannot change who you're playing based on your teammates. You match make as the, as the player you are and it will just throw you with teammates. So you don't know if you're going to be partnered with a character that your character really complements or not. 
which is a really frustrating and crucial part of like what these genres that are leaning on actually yeah. require. <laughs> it's deeply frustrating that you cannot react that way. It's um, there, there's one other thing I want to react, and then and then I'll throw it to you, Reb. One of the things I didn't like is there's a big character I liked. His name is Earl. Uh, but he's, like, the most trope-ridden thing, which is, like, he's an alien, which is cool. I like the look of him, but they made him have a southern accent. He looks like a, a stereotype. Uh, he's overweight, and his belly has jiggle physics, and he's got the southern accent. It's just, like, there, it's, he's a space alien. Like, we didn't need to lean on trope. Like, it's a deeply frustrating character design and execution, and I'm just... If anyone other than Amazon threw this game out, I would tell you that it was dead. Like, I would, I'd be like, yeah, there's nothing here. Like, this is, we're not going to talk about it in a month. It's Radical Heights. Um, but it's Amazon, so maybe we'll stick around. And, and that's all I'll say about it. I don't really want to give more fucking brain energy to fucking Crucible. I do, I do. Before we move on, I do want to kind of answer a couple of the things that Justin said. Um, so when we're, the, I, I, again, I interviewed, I interviewed uh, Lou Castle, who's head of uh, Amazon Game Studios in Seattle, um, Relentless Studios, is the studio that developed this. And this is not something that he said. I'm not putting words in, in his mouth. You can go read the interview if you want. Um, sorry to keep plugging it. But um, the vibe that I got from him and some of his answers, and you can, if you want to read it and like see if you get that vibe too, is that Relentless Studios, the game studio that's making this, I, I do feel like they have worked hard on this. Like they, they have tried very sure. hard to make something that is good. Um, they, they have like worked hard on it. I, I don't have like, I, I don't think they have made a, an inherently bad game. I think that Amazon proper, big Amazon, um, is not giving them really anything here. Um, I asked him a question kind of about, because I said, hey, Amazon owns Twitch. You're making a game that you explicitly want to be streamable. What are you doing here? Like, are you trying to, are you going to do like something particular with Twitch? Like what's going on here? And his answer was very, oh, well, we're just going to kind of see how it goes. Um, which from that, like the vibe I got was big Amazon isn't giving us anything special, which I feel like they should. Like, you own them. It's fine to just aggressively, I mean, it's annoying, but it's fine to aggressively promote your own stuff, right? Like, Valorant yeah. had this giant thing recently where all these big streamers got codes, and then they, like, you know, gave it, you could only get codes by watching their streams, and it, it made, I mean, yes, his answer was correct when I, I talked about that, and he said, you know, Riot was always going to get a big audience, because Riot Games making a new game is just like, whoa. And Amazon making a new game is just like, oh, Amazon's making a new game, haha, <laughs> Jeff Bezos, which is the joke we made, but yeah, it's true. Sorry. It's accurate. <laughs> no, no, I'm not I'm not insulting the joke. It's, it's accurate. Um, and so, I mean, he's right about that, but at the same time, like, they could have done a million other things. How to is this, this not game. a banner ad on fucking Amazon.com? Yeah, like it's what's a going play on? Game. Um, so the other thing that kind of makes you think that makes me think about it like that is because so I was originally um, at GDC back in March. I was originally scheduled to go out uh, to Amazon Relentless Studios or no. Well, so so well. First of all, their first slip up is during GDC week. They were trying to get me to fly out to Relentless Studios in Seattle, which GDC is in San Francisco. Um, to go demo the game. Um, and they, they were emailing a bunch of content creators. It's like and a four-hour flight. Yeah, and I know I know <laughs> that not all the media covers GDC, especially because it's, like, for game developers, but there's still a lot of, like, media events going on in San Francisco that week just because it is a hub. And so it's ridiculous to try to do this during the week of GDC. Um, so we actually turned them down initially, but then uh, they had to delay it because of, like, COVID and everything, which is fine. But originally, the way that they were going to go about this is this exact same way that they did it now. They were going to get this in the hands of a bunch of like media and content creators 
have them do their previews and then release it a week later which makes me think that they were trying to kind of do an apex legends with it but not nearly as well um and, and then when they delayed it they delayed it into may but they just did the exact same thing like they got these i don't know why they delayed it i assume it was because like they couldn't get people into the studio and they had to kind of figure out the logistics on having like a media event like over discord and stuff right. But I feel like they could have taken that extra time to sort of market the damn game or something. Um, and they just didn't. They did it exactly how they originally planned, except it was, like, way more, like, ineffect ineffectual. And so it's it's just been a very weird thing. And the vibe that I get is that Big Amazon is not supporting Little Amazon Does here. Does Jeff Bezos even know what Crucible is? I don't think he knows. I don't think he has any idea. And I, f I feel bad for Relentless Studios, because yeah. I feel like they're trying to make this game. I worry that it's not... I, it's not going to do great. Like, it's just going to get completely overshadowed by all these other things. And one of two things is going to happen. Either Relentless is just going to get shut down because Jeff Bezos don't care, or they're going to have an Anthem situation where they're like, no, we are committed to this. We are going to double down and, like, fix this over two years. And who knows what's going to happen. So it's just it's just weird. It's weird. I don't know what's going on with Crucible. Yeah, it's a mess. Does anybody Sorry else... to eat so much airtime today. No, you didn't. You're not good. Enough, bro. Enough. Enough, Justin. S Justin. So, I what, what? Yes. What do you got? Did, you oh, had your hand up. Impressions you for up. anything you want. Do you okay. want to talk, do you want to talk about okay. the Crucible? Do you I, want to talk about what you? <laughs> we need to move Okay, on. so I was I'm trying to see if I could find it. what its current uh, current rank on Twitch is. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's actually I was not able to find it. <laughs> I, I I haven't been able to find it. Uh, can you talk yeah, about your next so. thing? I'll see if I can find it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Twitch kind of, when we're streaming, Twitch kind of crashes yeah. my, my bandwidth. But um, so I want to talk about a really cool oh, demo it. that came out it. today. Okay. Three, what four, rank is five, it on six, Twitch right seven, now? 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 on Twitch right now. It is just above Minecraft and just below Catherine Full Body. Same yeah, so that's its release day numbers. Five hundred viewers right now. That is the release day numbers, and it is published by the platform, by the the company that owns Twitch, the biggest streaming platform and the biggest influencer platform for competitive games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oof. So, anyway, uh. I, I played a really cool demo today for something I've been looking forward to that has been a bit under the radar. Uh, even though it's, you know, a pretty big brand, um, Iron Man VR came out with a demo today. Um, it is developed by Camouflage, um, with a J at the end, and uh, it is published by Sony, and it is a PSVR Iron Man game. And it is so cool. <laughs> um... Iron Man himself just translates really well to how you would uh, control something in VR. Oh, you know, his sense. his repulsors are in his hands. Um, that's how you steer. And then you lift them forward to fire. Uh, and so you just are looking around and you actually are like leaning forward with your hands outstretched behind you and turning them in order to steer your Iron Man suit as you fly. It's such a cool sense of flight and speed in this game. And, like, the control... 
I, I'm still not super fast at like turning and stuff. I only played through the demo um, one time. There are some challenges that opened up. I'm probably going to check out because I think you can unlock like a, an Iron Man skin for the final release. But um, it has. Oh, Jeff, you have a question or comment yeah, or so something? So I, I just want I want to lay out a hypothetical scenario. So let's say you're going forward like this, okay, like this way, and then yeah. you just want to all of a sudden there's like a person below you you need to save so you need to just go straight down do you just dive out of your chair and do like a roll onto your floor like how do you lift your arms up <laughs> okay <laughs> you oh, lift so your arms up and then double so tap and boom so, so by lifting so, so by lifting up you're thrusting it's, yourself down it's it's literally your palms that are okay thrusters. so if you put them up it'll push so, you down so if you put them up it takes you down so you oh. can't do like, you can't do a head dive straight down to the ground so Jeff, I assure you, you, you do not want to do that. You, you can. You I can. You can um, just do it once. <laughs> I did. You I can, tried to do um, one barrel roll in No Man's Sky VR. That was just a <laughs> massive mistake. So mm. you, you can. Um, there are some things for like turning and raising up and down. I think. I think comfort-wise, they don't let you do some of the really crazy maneuvers for obvious reasons. But um, it's really neat because simultaneously, like. Like, Iron Man's heads-up display is, like, what we're used to seeing in the movies and in the comics. And, like, you know, when he has to, like, shoot at debris or the robots that are... Well, first off, the, the two missions that are in there is just... One's just a flight um, demo, but the one, like, actual main mission is Tony and, uh, and Pepper are on his plane. Um, and then one of the villains attacks with old uh, Stark Industries drones. Blows a hole in the plane. Tony jumps out of the plane... And, um, you know, he catches, you know, the two, the arms and the chest piece and the helmet, like, while falling. And then, you know, is you go and rescue the plane and you have to, like, pull stuff, um, pull stuff off the plane so it can try to land. Uh, it, it, it's fun. It's, it's, and it's just a great sensation of, you know, a kind of a standard superhero moment. I will say the writing is pretty good. But the actual voice acting is not great. Um, like, the writing is spot on for Tony Stark, but I was not a fan of his voice actor, uh -oh. unfortunately. But, uh... Um, I haven't seen it, it yet. It does are give... they trying to mimic the movies at all, or...? Uh, it's... I mean, it's very clearly referencing the movies a lot, but I, movie Iron Man is pretty much Iron Man, so, <laughs> like, it's, um... So, like, you clearly can see, um, you know, the movie, in, like, influence and kind of characterization uh, and, like, the way that, like, Tony and Pepper interact. But, like, I think it's pulling, like, a lot of the villains and stuff from the comics. Um, but it's really cool. I I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the full game. Uh, when does that come and out? It's, it's I know just it really delayed, cool. right? july it's okay. early july okay um Which it just got a date <laughs> it yeah it, it got it got hit with the indefinite delay on the same day as last of us part two mm. a lot of people didn't notice that iron man vr also got delayed on that day for some reason um i think cory barlog even made a joke about, <laughs> about that nobody noticed that iron man vr got delayed but yeah so it is i think a couple weeks after last of us a couple weeks before ghost of tsushima so, um, yeah, there's a lot of really cool um, PS4 stuff coming that month, and it's definitely something that, like, if you're a fan of Iron Man, you should really check out, because it is the most, like, 
it's the most like authentic feeling of like being this character that I've had in VR. It's a really great um, sense of speed and flight. I'm excited for it. And they say it's going to be like a full length game. So Justin, I will I will definitely have impressions of that when that comes out. Justin, I just have one last question for you. When I hear flight sim and you're using your hands a lot to move through like a, a 3D space, I think motion sickness. Is there any of that that you feel in the demo? I, I uh, particularly I felt like have in not, PSVR games. I personally have not. There are a decent number of... Um, of comfort settings okay. um i That's good. but i also am generally pretty um resistant to motion sickness um i've only had one vr game do it to me and that was because i was straight up stress testing it with zero um zero <laughs> comfort features on so um but like it because like mostly how you like turn is like there's two buttons. There's a the far side buttons on each controller will kind of turn you a little bit, and there's like a couple options for that. Either just have it be instant turns or like slow turns. And um, as you turn, it does some vignetting on the screen. Uh, same with hits and stuff. So like, it definitely seems like part of the reason you can't do some of the like crazy maneuvers and like loop de loops and stuff like that is uh, for motion sickness. But so it really hard. does give. It feels a lot like a roller coaster, um, which is cool. It, it's really neat. Sweet. All right, so we have one topic tonight that is that is uh, I, I do want to get to, but first, Reb, uh, you you dipped your toes into a different VR game this last week, and I thought you might want to talk about it a little bit. I dipped my toes into a different VR game. VR. Battle oh, Royale. sorry, Justin was talking about Iron no, Man, and I'm, I'm like, like I didn't my headset's in another person's house. I don't mm. know. Yes, uh, I tried out. Zach, Zach taught me how to play Apex Legends this weekend. Yeah, it was um, fun. Yeah, so I'm I'm a Fortnite gal. Um, I I I, I did play PUBG like when that was the battle royale, um, and I didn't love it. Um, I'm kind of learning about myself that I aesthetics matter a lot and vibe mean matters a lot, and so th- kind of the the dirt and the the chain link fences and the rocks and the the very realistic guns of PUBG did not appeal to me. And Fortnite, the cartoony nonsense, did. Um, Apex Legends kind of falls neatly in the middle because it it is a little more. It's a more of a realistic setting, but it's also like fantastical because it takes place in this you know Titanfall universe. So it's not, it's not. I don't know, like some place out in the middle of the Arizona desert or whatever. It's you know there, there, there's like weird dinosaur things in the distance. I've not played Hell Titanfall. Yeah. You can tell. I've yeah, there are. What's going on? Um, I liked it all right. I think I would play it again. Um, I. I liked it as sort of a different version of the things I already liked about Fortnite. Um, I, I like, I, I want to spend a little more time with it and kind of get used to the different characters. I like sort of adding the hero shooter aspect to it. Um, I, I think there's value both in playing just sort of a nonsense avatar and being like a goofy banana or whatever, but I also think that there's an interesting value to playing as something with an actual kit that you have to get good at. Um, and playing specifically in a team where you want to bring together complementary complementary abilities. Um, I do think that game is harder than Fortnite in that regard. Um, I, I observed as we were playing that um, I think we we saw people less often than I see people in Fortnite, but we also died faster um, when we did see them. I don't know if that's just because people are better at Apex. I, actually, it probably has something to do, people are mentioning in chat that Apex doesn't have cross-platform play. Um, I would expect it has something to do with that because um, we were playing on PC, and I assume that people who play on PC are very good. Yeah, we just got um, shit housed. 
Yeah, whereas I get away with being somewhat okay at Fortnite because I'm probably playing with a bunch of babies who are playing on phones and Nintendo Switches. So Apex Apex on PC is way more hardcore than the console version. Well, I don't have any other options to play Apex, so that's yeah. just what we got. Um, but yeah, I did like broadly like it. I I kind of struggle um, with games like that because I feel there's not like a... I, we were kind of talking about how it would be nice to be able to practice against bots for a while, just play like some matches with nothing but bots and just, just get a feel for it, like get a feel for the map, get a feel for the different kinds of weapons. Um, I This is like maybe a very dumb opinion, but I think that shooters tend to be a little bit inaccessible to people who do not already play shooters. If you don't already play shooters and aren't like haven't like grown up kind of with that culture or been very familiar with that culture. It's hard to get into them. Um, something that I always struggle with in games like that is like, I pick up guns and I have no concept of what the gun does. Um, like, like not even like how far can it shoot? Like how hard does it hit? Like, what is this gut? How many rounds can it, like, I don't even know. Like that information is somewhere in a menu, but I have to stand still for a period of time, read it and then like memorize it. Um, and that takes time. And I think, I think that's one of the things I like about Fortnite is it does sort of just reduce things down to a very small subset of guns. And then it th that actually that collection's actually been expanding a little bit in the last season. So I don't, that, that may not apply anymore. But it, it helped me get more familiar with that kind of language. But Apex just sort of threw me back in the deep end again because it's not like, like there's all these different like weapon types and they all have like fancy names. Like you told me the Mozambique is bad and I just look at it and I'm like, this looks like every other gun. I don't know. Um, and so I, I do find that that language Yeah, don't pick is, that one up. <laughs> like, I do find that that language is a little bit difficult to parse with somebody, because I don't, I, like, I don't play games like Call of Duty, usually. Um, and then if I do play shooters, it's usually a story-based one. Like, I, I love Mass Effect, I love Borderlands. So I can sit there and read the menus for long periods of time and think, okay, what does this gun do? Is this better? And then I can go, like, find a place to test it and just fire into nothing for a minute and be like, okay, that's about what this gun does. Great, I've got it. I, I know what I want to use now. Um, but in competitive games, unless there's like a practice range, which I, I Apex may have, I don't know. Um, it does. Well, I guess I could go to the practice range and like attempt that, but I don't know. It. it it's not it's like harder. a full. It's not a full match. It's not a full match though. It's just like you can just choose a weapon, and then there's various like targets at different ranges you can shoot at and stuff. So if you want to see damage and behavior and stuff you can get that at least for the weapons but like you can't get pra practice like with the map or like how to um you know yeah. how you would pl play against other players well, yeah. I, I, go ahead well i, I was just no, gonna say like to your point like in the same night we played a lot of we played uh, a lot of apex and we played a lot of fortnite and like right back to back it makes it really easy to like kind of compare them to each other and, like, when Fortnite is at its most inaccessible, it's when a 12-year-old builds a really big tower really fast. And yes. like, well, I can't do anything here. You've won. It's no longer fun because I can't, like, compete with this. But, like, one of the things that makes Apex really frustrating is, like, Apex is a game about momentum and locomotion and how you can do that really fast and how you can, like, marry that with the two mm -hmm. weapons you're carrying. Yeah. Um, like it's, it is about how, like, like there was a point where we were running through this, this area in Apex called the bunker and like, I slid down the stairs and I turned around to see if you would do it and you did it too. And like, it was really, it was really, and like me teaching you, like that feels really good to watch you do it. Cause like Apex yeah. is a game that has incredible momentum, but that's also how or the that game... obstacle course you took us to with the bouncies. I love that. Yeah. It's sick. But and yeah, I think there was a thing where I jumped through like a flaming ring and grabbed a shotgun <laughs> that was like floating, which was cool. But like what makes Apex so much harder to grab is like not only are you learning which guns are better and what armor is better and what attachments are better, it's like, okay, if I'm going down this hill and I'm sliding, are there going to be, uh, are there going to be any hurdles about, like, if I see someone, I need to shoot them. Like, 
there are so many accessibility features in Apex that are nice, right? Like the pinging is contextual and yeah. it's really nice, significantly better than Fortnite's. But Absolutely. the way, like, you can be shot in so many different ways at so many different speeds in Apex, it is so much harder to grasp. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was it was really fun. It was yeah. fun. I want to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sick game. I, I feel like this is a, a good segue to our, our actual last topic of the night, which is finding ourselves playing games that are often out of our wheelhouse, often things we don't find ourselves playing. Um, Jeff, I wanted to start with you. Are there is there a genre of game you find yourself going to that people wouldn't really expect to see you? Uh, you I'm a bad person to lead with because I, I struggled with this for like an hour earlier today, and I just I literally play everything except fighting games, and I do not like fighting games. I've tried them, uh, they did not win me over. So no, I I don't. Maybe we'll go to someone else. I don't really have okay. Jeff. Jeff, I, I actually have a good answer for you. Okay. It's one that would surprise other people that you would like. Let's kind of also add add that as one. I don't know what people think. I play like every I play racing games, you I play in the blue games, I play Like you played like farming simulators. Talk about like farming simulator and truck simulator okay. and stuff. But I, don't know, I, I think feel like people, people are always kind of surprised when people like that. Okay. Um yeah, and it's just like hard for me. Like, do I talk about like farming simulator? Do I talk about like the, all the crafting games I play, or the survival games, or the uh, you know, like I put shitloads of time in MLB The Show, which like we never talk about sports games on here. So I don't. Yeah, but like, I don't know. So, yeah. so like, but, okay, what's the catharsis, the catharsis that you feel from like driving a fucking payload in your truck across the country? Like, what? Like, what? And I'm not. I, that sounds pejorative. I don't mean it pejorative. Like, what are you getting out of that? That that feels so different from like the games you play on an everyday basis. Like, what? What does that bring you? I would say I kind of okay. That's so I'm gonna go a little bit away from your topic. Sure. Just so I can no, describe this. Um, I kind of compartmentalize games into my own genres, uh, and I usually have a few on rotation depending on my mood. So I have my chill game, I have my story game, and then I have my murder game. <laughs> uh, yeah. okay. Or like podcasts. <laughs> what, I, 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 I'm not a person who listens to podcasts when I play games. I can't split my attention like that. But I have like my podcast games where I can kind of just zone out and like do a bunch of checklists. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of how I play games. So I, you know, I'll usually only have one story-based game on the go at a time, um, which is great if I'm like in the mood for like watching a movie, but I don't want to watch a movie. I want to be more interactive. So that's where my, my Naughty Dog games come in or God of War. So sometimes like really linear, really heavy on the narrative presentation, cinematic values and stuff like that. Um, so those are usually like, that's kind of usually my, my go-to, but a lot of times, especially in the last few years, cause I'm like an adult now, I, I've fucking i don't have even an hour to sit down in front of a tv all my section segments of gaming time are just 30 minutes before work in the morning and then maybe 30 minutes after dinner before i sit down with my uh future wife and we just watch some tv so that's where i fit in like hell yeah i don't have time to really jump into final fantasy 7 lately um, but i'm gonna do a delivery and truck simulator because i can just listen to the sound of the rain and put on some weird german radio station that i don't understand <laughs> and i just drive down this highway and there's like Nice looking trees and some nice looking flowers. Uh, so I don't know, just like it's kind of finding a certain genre or niche for that that suits my mood. Or yeah, maybe I'm like in a and it's funny because um, people seem to like I don't know why when people are angry they want to play an angry game. I don't get that. I'm the opposite. Like if I'm angry and stressed out, I want to play a chill game. And when I'm super relaxed and calm, that's when I want to fire up Call of Duty Modern Warfare and play Warzone, which I've been playing lately, and just get super mad at getting murdered by twelve year olds. So uh, I don't know. Like I, I find it, I chase stuff that's kind of the opposite of my mood. I think to like find that balance. So that's 
Oh, that's my little piece on it, I guess, which is a little bit different than what you pitched. But... No, that was no, really good, Jeff. That. Thank you. Thank you. What about you, Finn? Um, I briefly touched on it earlier, but for me, the one that always seems to surprise people is my intense and never-ending passion uh, for Pycross games. And only Pycross games. Not puzzle genre as a whole, but Pycross specifically, to the point where... S4 for the Switch came out like a couple days after Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I put down the PlayStation controller and did not touch Final Fantasy VII Remake again until I had 100%ed Pycross S4 because nothing else matters. Everything it's, it's the epitome and the very definition of the one more mentality that some games have Finn. where I'll finish a puzzle and I'll be out with... I, I just need to know, and I hope there are other people, it's not just me, Pycross. Give me like a 10-word pitch on what Pycross is. It is a number-based like logic puzzle game similar to like Sudoku or something like that, oh, except at the end result is it forms a picture. Sick. By using the logic of the, the numbers on the sides, and then you figure it out, and then the end result is a picture. And there's been different variations of it, like S4 has all the regular Pycross, Mega Pycross, uh, Clip Pie Cross, which does a bunch of like up to 40 to 60 different puzzles all fit together to form one giant one. They have Color Pie Cross. It's it's bananas, and I cannot stop it. And every time a new one drops, I don't. It does not. If if they announced surprise Pie Cross S5 was coming out the launch day of Last of Us 2, I love you, Naughty Dog, but you go and wait. And that's just how it is. <laughs> like. It doesn't matter. I, It all started, I was working at GameStop <laughs> back in the day of the DS, the OG DS, and this game just popped up called Pycross 3D. And somewhere, at some point, like on IGN or Game Informer Magazine or something, somewhere they were like, wow, this game's really good. And you could like check out games as an employee. And I was like, I'll take it home over the weekend and give it a shot. And that was it. That that was I fell down that rabbit hole hard, and I've never looked back. I have so many Pycross games, and I love them all. Ben, I'm uh, curious. You said that you didn't you didn't like other games in the puzzle genre. Can you sort of like elaborate on? I understand why you like Pycross, but like, what? Why hasn't that translated into a like of any other game in that? Well, it's not that I okay. Maybe, maybe I put that. I, I I enjoy other puzzle games, but nothing remotely okay. comes close to the Pycross genre. Like, I'll I, I will enjoy your classic puzzle games and other puzzle adjacent games like Professor Layton or stuff in the puzzle genre, but. That's just like a game I'll enjoy, and I'll put away, and I'll move on. But Pycross, if I don't 100% and clear every single puzzle without using any of the in-game help, because you get a star if you finish a puzzle without making a single mistake, without using any of the guides, or without using the hint system, you get a star. And I'm like, well, I got to get a star on every puzzle. And then I do. And then finally, I'm released from the grip, and I can move on to other stuff. <laughs> and would, would it be a stretch to say that Pycross is more than just a game; it's a lifestyle. Uh, yes, it's it's a uh, it's a. You know what? I'm just gonna go with that, and I'm gonna dovetail directly into the under most underappreciated game of 2020 so far is Murder by Numbers, the Phoenix Wright meets Pycross game for the Switch and PC, and coming out later this year is a Pycross dating sim game, uh, 
where you play as a person in a puzzle-based Justice League, and there is an anthropomorphic jigsaw puzzle piece that leads the team. Great. And Fuck yeah. we, we met the developers we of that game we at sure PAX did. last year, right? They're amazing, <laughs> and the game's going to be great, and I just love me some Pycross. And uh, I, again, I think that might be the biggest surprise because everything else I love is like action games and, and, and RPGs and stuff like that. And then it's just like Pycross, and everything gets blocked out, and it's just Pycross time. Fuck yeah. Justin, Justin, what about you? Do you have, do you have a pie crust? A uh, pie pie crust? Uh, do you have a, a driving simulator? What is your genre uh, that that you really find yourself attracted to? So I have two things I want to talk about real quick. Sure. One uh, is a genre, and the other one is a series because the series has not had very many entries, and nothing else scratches the itch that it has. So. For one, for genre, I, I really like visual novels. I have not played a ton of them, but I have loved the ones I've played. I um, played the first Danganronpa. I played um, all of the Zero Escape games. I just, I got I got so swept up in them. Like, no matter how many times I had to, like, go through alternate storylines to, you know, progress the story, like just the way that narrative branches in them and then, you know, with puzzles mixed in, I would have out, like, I'd be, like, jotting down notes and stuff as I went through them. Um, they're super cool, and they're something that, like, I think a lot of people don't realize how exciting they can be. Like, it seems like they're a very... I mean, they are relatively passive compared to, like, an action game or something, but... um just the way they establish tension and the way that they reflect some, a lot of your decisions is super fun and really compelling for me. Um, and so I, I've been meaning to get back and finish up the Danganronpa series. Um, I'm going to try to do that soon. Um, but those ones are especially fun. Like, I, I really like the the murder mystery death game kind of stuff that those, yeah, that those um, both Danganronpa and Zero Escape do. But... Um, the other one I wanted to talk about is Elite Beat Agents, because there's only the one. Well, there are two Owendon games in Japan, which are the um, the Japanese versions of them. The first, uh, neither of those two games came to the U.S. Owendon Two is the only game I have ever imported because there was no way to get it into the in the U.S. and I needed more after Elite Beat Agents. Um, I've always enjoyed rhythm games, but I've never been compelled to, like, play them to where I can get, like, the max combos and triple S rank and stuff like that. Elite Beat Agents and Owendon 2, I have played so, so many times. The stories make me laugh. I love the soundtracks that they have. Um, and nothing feels quite like it with the... I mean, it was perfectly set up for the DS with, you know, the story playing out as you're crew dances to encourage people um through times of trouble like as you tap the um you tap the numbers in time with the music um it's just such a blast like elite beat agents also like has the element of just the most ridiculous i think um track list of any of any rhythm game like skater boys on it but also like september and abc and um it's it's just ridiculous it makes me laugh i think it's really funny um 
And yeah, there's been nothing else that has scratched that itch since the, the DS days. And I really, really, really miss it. And I really hope something else, you know, comes out. Probably, it'll probably be on a phone or something nowadays. But um, yeah, I, I really miss it. And I, I hope somebody does something with that style of rhythm game eventually. Not, Yay! That one was kind. Of, that kind of one kind of made me sad because you miss it so much, Justin. Yeah. I hope something comes around for you. I, I I made a joke that somebody would do a Kickstarter for it, and like the pitch would be like the agents dancing to get the to get the game funded or something. <laughs> um. But yeah. All right. Well, Sorry, I did. I didn't mean no, to be a downer. No, stop. no, no. Don't it, apologize. If you have a if you have a DS or a 3DS and you haven't played Elite Beat Agents track it down i promise you it's one of the most joyous experiences you will have <sighs> reb yeah it's your we, we've touched on this a little bit but i want to yeah know so this other... was a topic i suggested because i wanted to talk about a bunch of shooters tonight i think that it sometimes surprises people that i like shooters because i spend just an awful lot of time one playing cozy non-violent games and also talking about how much I love and how important nonviolent games are, right? Like, I, I yell about it a lot. I try to do panels about it. I tweet about it a lot. Um, and, and that's that's largely spurred not... I mean, I, I, I'm a very, very, like, adverse to violence person, but also it's it's spurred by kind of a an interest in game mechanics that aren't just shoot and punch, right? Like, I want to see... It's the whole idea of wanting to see more interesting verbs, right? But that's not what we're talking about. And I, I've already talked about a couple of the shooters I've played recently, but I do... I do enjoy a good shooter, and I, I, I don't think, I think I surprise myself with that sometimes, because I think I have a tendency to kind of wander away from that genre, um, just, just more often than not. I tend not to play super competitive ones, um, which won't surprise anybody, but I do play a lot of story-based ones generally, but I've been playing a lot of Fortnite lately, and I really, really like Fortnite, and as my friends that I play Fortnite with have told me, I apparently get very spicy during Fortnite, um, I, I yell a lot, I cuss a lot, like in, in a jovial way, not in like a heated gamer moment way, but, but in, in a very like, <laughs> like just, just competitive, no, we're going to destroy these gamers kind of way. And it's, it's very fun. What's up, Jeff? Uh, no, I, sorry. I was going to let you finish your point. Um, I was just going to ask, uh, do you think you're, cause you talked tonight about Apex and, um, Crucible and Fortnite and stuff like that. Do you think the shooters that you're drawn to are the ones that are about more than just straight up shooting other people because like battle rail games the shooting is just one element of the battle rail but so much of it is learning the map and mm. deciding where are we going to go next and it would be bringing like apex which teammates do i pair with which abilities do i use and how do i move around and navigate this like there's there's so much more meta, meta to the game than just putting bullets into the person in front of you so I, I wonder i was just wondering like is that when you do play shooters are you kind of drawn to stuff that's a little bit less just straightforward team deathmatch and more um like strategy just something more beyond that that simple basic mechanics yeah i think i think with fortnite especially i'm mostly drawn to the social aspect of it like i really enjoy hanging out with a group of friends and playing um kind of all at once and i like i like that we don't have to spend the entire match like because i i have a really hard time having a social conversation and shooting at the same time as as zach found out when we were trying to play apex um so i like that a good chunk of fortnite is not shooting it's running around kind of doing 
somewhat mindful things, but also somewhat mindless. Like I can walk around and loot and I don't have to think too hard about it. And I can talk to people and goof around. And also because it, it is like inherently goofy, like there's just a bunch of very silly things in that game. And so there's a lot to laugh about. Like, like the thing I do when I play Fortnite is I grab a boat and I drive it just like across the entire map. And I try to use the cannon in the boat to destroy entire buildings. And I'm not fun to play Fortnite with if you like winning, but um, it is a very good time. <laughs> um, Apex is a little less goofy, um, but I, I did still really enjoy specific. I mean, specifically playing with Zach. Like, I like spending time with my friend and learning kind of about this game, um, particularly this game that Zach cares about a lot. Like, that was really enjoyable to me. I don't think that Apex is going to be nearly as sticky for me as Fortnite, um, just because, again, like, like it's less goofy. It's harder to play while drunk, probably. Um, but, but, but I did enjoy it for that reason. I did not enjoy Crucible all that much. I mostly played that because I was going to a work preview of it and needed to. Uh, I probably won't go back to that. Um, but... I did have a revelation crucible that was interesting um, that kind of spurred this thought for this conversation, which was I was playing it and I was, sh- I, I, and I, I don't mean to just sit here and dunk on crucible more because I know we're done on done with that, but I was sitting there shooting and I had this, this thing click in my bre- head where people like to talk about good shooters and they like to say, oh yeah, the, the gunplay is really satisfying. And that's, I think, to, to me, that phrase has always been very stupid. Like, it doesn't make it... It just sounds like a very silly marketing kind of thing. Um, but I had this thing click in my head as I was shooting in Crucible, and I thought, this gunplay is not satisfying. Um, it doesn't... There's no, like... I, You're a gamer now. Congratulations. Yeah, it doesn't... The gun doesn't feel like anything. Like, I'm, I'm hitting the shoot button, but it doesn't feel like anything's happening. There's not, like, a sense of, like... Nothing like anything, nothing's like coming out. Like yeah. is damage yeah. being done? There's numbers going up over there, but I can't really tell what is happening with that. Um, and I don't know if it's like the sound effects or the feel of the character or what it is, but it was a weird moment where I realized that was something I actually kind of cared about a little bit. And I started thinking about like, like games where I do get that feeling and you know, what I liked and did not like about them. And so, yeah, I play games with guns and shoots in them, and I, I think that surprises me a lot. Like, I played Control earlier this year, which I think has a lot more to it than just being a shooter, but that is, like, the primary way you have combat and interact with a lot of things. And I really, really enjoyed it, and I had this moment where I was like, why don't I play more games like this? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I really liked it. I liked Fortnite. I like Apex. Um I used to like Borderlands. I don't really like it as much anymore. Um, I liked the Mass Effect trilogy a lot, but I didn't play Andromeda. So I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of sitting here on my hands waiting for another kind of very like story story heavy game with shoots to show up. Halo Infinite, motherfucker. I'm not going to. I was going to say, I'm not going to play The Last of Us. You can't make me play that game. Um, Play Warzone with us. (laughs) <laughs> play oh. Call of Duty Wars. D- spend a 200 gig download. Yeah, I don't have that much space on both I'm of joking. my hard drives right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Zach, what's yours? Um, we. All right, fine. I'll do my. No. Cheesy, I'll do my cheesy one. I'll do my cheesy one. Uh, so a few years ago, uh, I bought Steep. Uh, on a steep Black Friday discount, and then never touched it. <laughs> Good job. Um, sorry. Uh, and then I never touched it, and then uh, an album came out that I really wanted to listen to. Uh, I'm trying to remember the album. I'll pull it up. Uh, it was a Mount Erie album. A Crow Looked at Me came out, and it was the first album after uh, uh, the, the lead singer's uh, wife 
uh, had passed away from cancer, and it was like a really heavy album. And I was like, I know if I just sit down and listen to this album, it's gonna be really heavy. And so I turned on Steep. I turned off all of the music. And Steep is a game that's like inherently a very silly. I should give a top level on Steep. Sorry. Steep is a sports game in which you kind of do a, a Winter Olympic sports, which is like uh, skiing and snowboarding and uh, uh, parachuting, all this ridiculous Ubisoft junk. Uh, and it's nonsense. The mountain talks. It's the dumbest game, but you can just turn the ball, like, like all the best Ubisoft games, you can turn all of the volume down. Um, and it has become this game in which I listen to music that's new that I really want to like consume and just mindlessly carve down mountains and, and listen to them and, and, and kind of consume games in like, uh, Mount Erie, um, the way Phil writes his, his, um, really, uh, just wrenching music makes the, the catharsis of carving down a mountain feel really good and like there's a way that like the way like story un, uh, mm -hmm. uh, unpacks in his music with the way you're going down a mountain feels really good um but then it's just become like no any type of music i want to listen to if it's a new album i want to play it so like you know in early june the next run the jewels album is coming out and of course i'm gonna carve down on a fucking snowboard and listen to lp and, and killer mike <laughs> like it's gonna happen uh and like so that's kind of just become like my music game um you know in lieu of like the music genre really being something that's around still. Um, this has kind of been my way of like shoehorning in like, because you can create your own momentum in steep. Um, you know, it's, it's a game where like, yes, you can snowboard and ski and, and whatever, but you can also just like, like take off everything and just like walk up a mountain if you want to. And so mm -hmm. like, there's a way you can create scenery um, and, and really create a, a tone and pace, and I, I just have found it to be, like, a really weird, long-winded, but in the best way Ubisoft game that, like, I don't really play that much of. Uh, like, today I came back to it and I started beating, I saw Jeff was my friend on Ubisoft's, uh, on Uplay, so I started beating his scores while listening to music. Oh, no! Yeah! I, Check I'm gonna, the uniforms, motherfucker! I'm gonna let you finish, but I have been waiting years to talk about Steep on this podcast, and I'm just so happy the day is here. <laughs> Jeff, you literally could have talked about Steep on any episode. <laughs> we definitely Check. talked about Steep a lot one episode. No, there was one episode where we talked about Steep, steep in depth. But please, Jeff, you're check the scoreboards, motherfucker. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm reinstalling it right fucking now. Please, please. But Steep, I bought the gold though. edition when it was wasted. It was like hundred and fifty dollars. <sighs> but seriously, <laughs> Steep, like Steep is like maybe my most interesting. Like out of like, I, I think it's out of character for me to be like, yeah, it's I like this, yeah. but. But yeah, I mean, it, it's like the only sport game that I like, um, and it's because I can play it at my own terms. And like, honestly, like Ubisoft is a really homogenous publisher right now, and I think they're trying to address that. But like, this is like the apex of that for me, which is like, there's nothing here I want to listen to. There's nothing here that's compelling, except when I play it on my own terms. And like, that turns out to be like the most uh, uh, effective way for me to play it. Um, but that's, that's mine. That's really cool. I like that. These were all can, really can, good. I'm glad we did this topic. Can yeah. I ask you one more steep-related question? Please. Oh uh, aside from snowboarding, what's your favorite? Do you, do you like the wingsuiting? Yeah. You... Oh, the wingsuiting yeah, is great. Wait. It's great. Have we talked about how fucking stupid the fall mechanics are in steep? <laughs> okay, there's, like an entire, there's an entire subsection of challenges in that game, which is like fall, but fall fast. And the game is like, you have 17 <laughs> seconds to be in the wipeout state, but to fall down yeah. this mountain. And you have to go through these waypoints to do it. And it's the bizarre. It's so bad. It's a weird game. There's the T-Rex costume stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It, it's a mess. Uh, yeah. It's a very weird game. Okay, we have some housekeeping items, but they're very important housekeeping items. Reb, would you please take us home with these little items? 
Yeah, so I need to plug two things, actually. Um, the first one, which is the least important of the two, is that tomorrow morning um, I am going to be on Gary Winna's Animal Crossing talk show. Uh, animal Talking, uh, if you somehow have not heard about it, Gary Witta, um, who is known for many things, uh, writing for Rogue One, um, just Gary Witta, he's great. Um, he, he's been hosting this talk show, like, just, like, very standard, like, talk show but in animal crossing uh since COVID 19 and it's just been incredible like it went from being this kind of goofy thing he was doing with some friends to now he's got like these like who's been on it recently he's got celebrity a bunch of celebrities i don't know celebrities so i'm really bad at it like, isn't danny trejo like yeah danny Trejo's now like his now. correspondent right like yeah. he's just and he's been like having twitter conversations i've seen with um alexandria ocasio-cortez and like reggie to try to get them on um, I don't know if that's panned out yet, but it's it's absolutely wild. Anyway, for some reason, he is, is having me on it. Um, no, okay, I said I wasn't going to downplay myself anymore. It is legitimately very cool that he's having me on. Um, Gary's wonderful. It's at 11 a.m. Central Time tomorrow, twitch.tv slash Gary Witta. Um, if you miss it, it'll be on YouTube, his YouTube channel later. Um, but it's going to be really fun. Apparently, I'm going to you know talk about games writing, and I'm also going to talk about all my video game cookbooks. So it should be a really good time. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about is a little bit more serious. Um, so if you've if you've kind of you know watched the show for a while, you've seen um, we've had a guest on uh, not not too long ago, uh, Nathan Brandt uh, from NES Podcast. Uh, Nate is one of my good friends. They are just like an absolutely incredible person. Like honestly, the kindest person in the world, really. Um, and Nate's mom um, was affected by the collapse of the Edenville Dam out in Michigan. Um, her house is under four feet of water. Uh, like the whole bottom floor is messed up. She's lost just a ton of stuff. And that house is really important to her. And it's also where she lives. Um, so I'm throwing a link in the Twitch stream right now. Um, if, you, if you are able to like either share that or you know spare something to sort of help her you know, get her livelihood back. Um, I, I know, I know they would be grateful. Um, and I, and I'd be grateful too, cause Nate, Nate absolutely rules. And, um, I haven't met their mom, but I assume that, um, anybody who helped create Nate, um, is really, really rad too. Um, and nobody deserves to have their house just like washed away like that. So yeah, if you, if you have a moment and could do that, that would be great. That's my stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we have any other housekeeping items to, to hit. Uh, I guess the other thing, so I guess, actually we do. Uh, in this last week, we have uh, shared, uh, Finn, you guys did a uh, Streets of Rage 4 coverage, you and John. Uh, so that is up on wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we would love it if you check that out. Uh, it is a very good game that actually, despite having a, a pretty big following, I feel like that game came out, was a big deal the week it came out, and then kind of flew under the radar in the last couple weeks here. Um, but Streets of Rage uh, holds up, and it was... Pr Finn, I shouldn't speak. You should you should say, Finn, was it worth the wait? I'll be quick. Uh, yes, it was worth it. It is... Uh, it, it is... It throws back to all the nostalgia and all the love you had for the originals, but it adds enough new mechanics and pushes the genre forward and modernizes it at the same time. So you get the authentic feel of Streets of Rage, like everything about it screams, this is Streets of Rage. The uh, side-scrolling brawler beat-em-up is back, but it also elevates it and makes it feel new and modern, and it doesn't feel like you're just playing you know how sometimes spiritual sequels or like games after two decades can feel like they either 
change too much and it loses that spirit or it adheres too much to what came before and it just feels dated this is that perfect middle ground of those two scenarios and it was just really damn good hell yeah and there's like a full 30 is it 30 ish minute review for, for people to check out you and john's your your whole full chat on it half hour long or something yeah. right so yep. like fully unpack the whole game there uh if you're if you're there please subscribe we, we always appreciate that finn where can people find you on twitter uh, I am at Nola Nerdcast. Uh, you can tell it's me because my avatar is me holding up my twin. Hell yeah! It's a bag. It's a bag that says trash. Oh damn it! You made me agree with that, and then I forgot. What yeah, you did. Damn it! Not trash. Justin, where can people find you on Twitter? Um, I am at Robo Plato. You can find me also hanging out in the Discord for SDGC. Um. And yeah, that's about it. Hell yeah. Reb, where can people find you? Reb, you're muted. Reb, you're muted. Sorry. It's you can okay. find me on Twitter <laughs> at Dutch Valentine, and you can find my work at gamesindustry.biz. And Jeff, where can people find you? Nowhere, because Twitter is a hell site, and I quit. Uh, so I nuked all my tweets, set myself to private. I will not give out my tag, Discord. but... Have full respect for people use and enjoy that site as I did many years up until now. I just made a choice to uh, that my life was happier without being on there. But uh, I'm always hanging out in the SEGC Discord, probably a little too much. Uh, so anyone who wants to chat can talk to me there. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at Bearclaw Gaming because that handle will never die. Uh, of course, you can catch everything SEGC does at official SEGC. Uh, thank you so much to, to chat and to listeners and to, of course, the whole panel for, for uh, making it through another week. Uh, we will catch you all back here same time next play. Uh, same time next week? Is that how that sentence works? Same time next week? Uh, it's not always poetry. We don't always agree, but we always drink too much during Thursday's send-off. No, Good that's night. you! That's just me? That's <laughs> just me? Uh-oh. Good night. Good night. <laughs>